You're listening to the No Name Photo Show. It's not spouse approved. It may or may not be safe for work. We'll see. And now here's your host, Brian Matias, and me, Sharky James. So, Brian, here we are, episode 42. We have a dual quadrigen tuppled. Did I get it right? Dual quadrigen tuppled. I think I got it right. There you go. That's our episode that. output. We actually had to practice right before we started recording. Gold star for you. Thank you. All right, now I hear another voice. We should have him introduce himself, don't you think? We should. So, uh, caller, who who is this? <laughs> who who be you? Spontaneous caller. Uh, yes. random random caller who called in. Yes. Hello. My name is David Amell, and I am a technology journalist, kind of living in San Francisco. I've been there for two years, but I travel a lot, so I kind of now just kind of stay in whatever area I'm traveling in until my next thing. But uh, yeah, I focus on mostly on Android and Google related stuff. Uh, so I've been doing that for a few years and I make YouTube videos for our YouTube channel. Um, the website I work for is called androidauthority.com and I do most of our photography. I, I do our YouTube videos and I write a lot of stuff. So very cool. Yes. Very cool. And so, I mean, it is a, a nice coincidence to have you here because I, I have been for a little bit now wanting to dedicate an episode to the kind of realm of mobile photography, you know, with phones uh, with that have cameras on them and how that has seriously disrupted the industry over the past decade or so. But timing wise, it's it's really important because as of re- today's recording, Apple, what, like three or four days ago, made their announcement for their iPhone XS uh, and XS Max and then the XR. Or as but, I like to say, XS. And we got, we, we got rid yeah. of we got rid of the six success for excess yes. because we are a capitalist society. And, and Serena Williams, I hear, got the 10S. She's really good at the 10S, too. You've been waiting on that one, Sharky. <laughs> Just get him out early. It flows, man. All right, go. <laughs> so but, you know, the thing and I also it's I think it's nice that you're able to offer from an Android perspective, uh, you know, how Android comes into play with with uh, mobile photography, Apple kind of showed their hands. And now, uh, if I understand it correctly, as we head into October, you're probably not going to be seeing much natural sunlight. You're going <laughs> to yes. be under, you know, in, in rooms, you know, conference rooms and, and, and expo centers and whatnot. Uh, why is that? Uh, yeah, because for some reason, every Android manufacturer this year decided to wait until October to release their flagships. Um or like there are some manufacturers that release like two flagships a year, like LG and OnePlus and such. So there's at least seven um, new phones coming out, which is completely crazy. The exciting one I think that everyone's kind of waiting for is the Google Pixel 3, um, mostly because Google really changed the game with the Pixel 2 in mobile photography. And that's actually how Brian and I met. was uh over twitter um i just like randomly liked one of his photos and then he dm'd me asking about the pixel 2 because he was like endlessly trying to decide if he wanted to get one um (laughs) but uh yeah that's right yeah so we're just everyone's kind of speculating like is the pixel 3 going to completely change the game but so we've got them we've got huawei lg and samsung and Everyone is kind of releasing a new phone in October. So I'm going to be probably in New York City the most of the whole month, uh, just editing videos and making hands-ons and reviews and such. So that's, that'll be my life. And, and so I, I've, I've pre-ordered the iPhone XS Max. You are using, what's your current daily driver? 
Uh, I'm currently reviewing the Xiaomi Mi 8, which if you haven't okay. heard of Xiaomi, they're like a Chinese company. They <clears throat> they originally started as a uh, as kind of like a skin, like a mod. So if, if anyone's heard of Cyanogen mod, they were a company that got inspired by Cyanogen to create a skin for Android way back in the day when people used to like flash ROMs to their phone a lot. And they just got so popular as a, as a, their own kind of skin that they started making hardware and um, they're a cool company, but they don't really sell phones in the U S right now. Uh, oh, that's another company that is releasing a phone in October is Xiaomi. They've got a new flagship coming out too. So, but all this is, I want, that was all to kind of get to Sharky. Cause I want to know what Sharky's daily driver is. Oh, Right. Hey, you know what my daily driver is? It's my I iPhone do. 6 Plus. It's the camera I've got with me, right? So you go with what you have and what? <laughs> iPhone 6 Plus pre-battery replacement. <laughs> so you're you are like wow. you are God's child with this phone, like <laughs> as as natural as possible. There's no modifications to your phone. None at all. I still need to get that taken care of. Things have been crazy. But so and that's true. So you know, to kind of put a, a theme around this, you know, I, I know that I would, I would wager that the majority of, of this audience listening to, to no name photo show is in the iOS camp. And that's, I have no data whatsoever. Actually, no, we do have data Sharky, uh, based, we use Libsyn, which is our podcasting kind of syndication, uh, company. And they give us st- statistics of which mm. podcast, application or platform and by far i mean i'm not even talking by a little percentage but by far it's apple i'm not i'm not doubting that at all like when when i listen to a lot of podcasts they're always like please like rate us in itunes because that is like (laughs) the most important thing um but i i actually use an iphone i now use an iphone 10 as a like secondary phone that i carry with me uh because i think it's really important to understand both sides like what does what better and the iphone does a lot of things better than android phones so and android does a lot of things that you know apple doesn't do very well and eventually apple ends up copying them but yeah that's neither here nor there what i want to get is from from sharky and from you i want to get your thoughts on just mobile not mobile but mobile photography um, it, it, there, I think there is, I guess I'll start with myself, but I do think there is this, there has been this push for years for, uh, mobile manufacturers to really try their best to take a bite one way or another out of the whole, the, the actual like DSLR mirrorless game. Uh, and David, you kind of touched on it with Google investing more in the software side of photo processing in, in, in creating a strong photo as opposed to other companies who are putting multiple lenses or they're par- partnering with, uh, you know, Hasselblad or they're partnering with Zeiss, like mm-hmm. Nokia partnered with Zeiss for the optics. So Sharky, what, you know, do you, I, I and you said it yourself, Sharky, you kind of touched on Chase Jarvis's, uh, you know, phrase that he, call, he coined years ago, the best camera you have is the one they have with you. Um, do you ever like say, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I want to go shooting, but I'm just gonna take my phone. I'm going to leave my camera behind. No, and I would never do that. <laughs> like, you know, I've got uh, the Fujifilm X-T2, so if I wanted something that was lighter, that's what I bring with me. If I need to shoot, like I'm going to be shooting a football game this coming Friday night, I'm not bringing my, I, well, I'm bringing my iPhone because I have to reach people, right? Right. Anyhow, I'm going to shoot that with my D850 and my D500, which I still have to sell. I never get around to that. 
And, you know, you bring the right tool for the job, right? It's not just the camera you have with you, but the right tool for the job. You wouldn't bring go a do camera. a shoot with your iPhone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just bring a better camera and stuff. Like, yeah. you know, the, but if all you have with you is your mobile phone these days, and look, mine is coming up on next month, will be four years old. I'm perfectly fine with the photos because those are going to live on Facebook and, and, you know, Instagram, whatever. That's good enough, right? Yeah, I mean, so it is funny because... You, if you watch Apple's keynote, and I'm int- I'm very excited to see Google's keynote. They just sent out their invites last week as well for what is it, David? What when's uh, Google's October October 9th in New York City? In New York City? Oh, it's not even in the the uh, amp. The they're moving it. Wow. Okay. Yeah, New sure. York City this year. Interesting. So if you watch Apple's keynote and you fast forward past the the watch, which is the first thing that they announced, and you go to the the phones. There was a significant chunk of time dedicated to its prowess in the photography realm. Not, you know, yeah. they talked about their silicon and they talked about, um, you know, uh, AR and gaming for a little bit. But photography is where they really spent a lot of time. And it, it, you know, there are videos that I've seen online where the manufacturers are working with with commercial photographers to put out these photos, basically like these are like commercial grade photos. But when yeah. you look at the, the, and they sometimes will put behind the scenes videos of how it was done. <laughs> yeah. They this goes to Sharky's giant point. Rigs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you have the phone connected to uh, either <laughs> a, a giant lens through an adapter, or they've got, they've got the, the iPhone shooting through with, you know, octas on all, you know, all sides and beautifully lit. Yeah. And, you know, so so that's where I do feel like there is this. Yes, I mean, at that point, you're relying less on on the op. You're just using their sensor to capture the image. Everything else is kind of augmented, um, which is, you know, it is something to say. You know, they put out Apple just put out this video um, shortly after they announced the 10s is with that shows. Uh, it's really cool. It shows uh, these these photographers, these videographers. I don't actually know if they are. They might just be scientists. But the way that they created these slow motion time lapse videos in the studio with the phone uh, is very, very cool. But at the same time, it has spawned this cottage industry of mobile accessories for photographers. Yeah. And I know, I don't know if anyone who's listening, if they if you've watched the films by Smug Mugs. So Smug Mug has a whole range of high-end highly produced videos that focus on an individual photographer Hmm. and there was one that they did focusing on a mobile phone photographer and he kind of shoots little toy figurines in new york city and other places and he only uses his iphone and so i wonder like so specifically with you david you know on the android side of things arguably things are much more exciting uh between you'd mentioned that there you know there might be cameras or phones coming out with three lenses there are cameras or phones I can't, I keep saying cameras, but there are phones that have uh, lenses that actually are, they articulate up and down out of the the body, like, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of just being slapped on the back. Yeah. It's been interesting to see how manufacturers are trying to kind of like make their cameras better. A couple of years ago, uh, Asus was like very eager to kind of try to change the game. And they they released this phone called the Zenfone Zoom, which like it had a, a physical zoom lens inside of it. So the whole body kind of shifted when you did that. There was the Samsung, there's like a Samsung phone a few years ago that was literally just a point and shoot with the phone on the front. <laughs> um, 
and they're they're just they're changing stuff so much right like google when they released the nexus 6p they were kind of the first to be like all right we're gonna actually make the pixels bigger and like people kind of know this but like when you have less megapixels but you can make the pixels gather more light then you do better in low light so the nexus 6p like did a lot better in low light at that point and then from then on they kind of started using these bigger pixels and now just use a lot of like software um so here's my thinking you know like okay so this is a photography show right what camera phone that's what we refer to them as right i don't refer to mine as a smartphone it's a camera phone what camera phone do you choose these days if you're a photographer do you just like you know mine is four years old it's good enough for me. But our photographers thinking, I have to drop the big bucks to get something that's like the really best at optics because I might take that photo that I might want to put in my portfolio or something. Yeah. What are you, what's your thoughts on that? Um, it's it, it really depends on like what if you're trying to do it as a photographer or if you just want the best camera like for anyone, you know, the Pixel 2, I think, has is still kind of considered the best camera for just like if you know you want every picture to just look good but the thing because they do this hdr plus thing where they sample 10 super underexposed images and then they layer them on top of each other and then up the shadows and you get very little grain because all the uh underexposed images take the average of each pixel color so it kind of creates this really like high dynamic range picture that doesn't really have any true blacks and it just kind of looks really good and punchy but all the photos kind of look the same. So I, while I really like the Pixel 2 camera, I can see like why a lot of people don't necessarily want it because it doesn't look natural. It looks a lot pretty edited. But the Huawei, uh, the Huawei P20 Pro, which I know you guys have talked about before, um, is one That's of the right. mo- one of the most like well-renowned camera phones right now. Um, it has three three cameras on the back, uh, but it does 40 megapixel images. Which is kind of crazy. And I know that megapixels don't always matter, but they've done a lot of tweaking. When it first came out, it over sharpened images like crazy. But now a lot of people who are really serious about their mobile photography kind of lean towards Huawei, um, which is interesting because not a lot of people even know that Huawei exists because they're not sold in the US. So you have to buy them from the UK or from China. Yeah, I mean, the the thing that I would say is more more relevant, especially to this audience, is you know, you do see uh, these camera manufacturers, not camera manufacturers, because they're not. They're, they're, they really are phone manufacturers, yeah. that, and they build cameras. Uh, they are trying to break into the beyond just the casual photographer. So when mm-hmm. I worked at Google on the Google Plus team, Google Plus, the one of the reasons why it was such a big hit was because photographers really flocked to it. They adopted it because of the way uh, the platform respected the quality of the photos, the aspect ratio of the photos, um, compression was hardly there mm. compared to Facebook. So, you know, photographers who wanted to control the way that their photos are displayed uh, really took to it. Uh, the problem was that not, you know, photographers don't, if the goal for Google was to get as many photos uploaded to the, the cloud as possible, targeting prosumer or you know advanced amateur uh, or even hobbyist photographers that's the wrong crowd because they you know typically we're very selective with what we share you know mm-hmm. i can take 100 pictures and only share one whereas if you're a general just and you're not you're not even considered a photographer you're just someone who you know maybe kind of like sharky like you were saying someone you have the phone you take photos of your dogs or you take photos of your kids um or you you know you take photos of something just to you know the receipt that you have to remember 
those you take tons of those mm-hmm. and when you have you know auto backup turned on uh you're you know you're getting just tons and tons of data and google uses that information but you do still see companies like when with google and with uh, you know android and ios that open up things that uh prosumer photographers typically only care about like raw or mm-hmm. in this case dng like your phone now can shoot raw yeah and granted it's it's you know 12 megapixels on in some cases or it's you know 16 megapixels and the, these sensors are the size of your thumbnail but still like when you mix it together with you know on one hand apple's got amazing secret sauce and specifically google also like you did a video david didn't you with um mm-hmm. uh, what's his name uh Mark Lavoie. Mark Lavoie. Yeah. I used to work. Mark worked at Google X when I was at Google, and he was working on the HDR Plus algorithm. The software. Yeah, he still works there, which is what is exciting to me about the Pixel Three. Like I'm real. Like they have in the. This is a slight tangent, but in the Pixel Three, they have this big notch on the front, but the two cameras on the front are also very big. So I'm really hoping that they're gonna do something crazy with those they already it already leaked that there was going to be some sort of what they're calling super selfie um so i have no idea what that's going to be like but could be really cool and yeah i'm sure it will and i i do see google slowly kind of chipping away um at apple's kind of because listen if you drive in new york city you know go to union square go to Times square and you see you know shot an iphone google's tried to take into that Mm -hmm. um get into that but really, Apple has been doing some some really impressive things because these are photos taken on the phone, you know, and just blown up. But, you know, Sharky, because I, I want to get your take, too. You could do you not see yourself, Sharky, like ever like you never think I, I know for me, I do. But do you not see yourself think like, you know what, I'm just going to take my phone, you know, and, and see what I can do with my phone um, and maybe try out some app you know some some cool photo editing app to to edit the photos and that's not something that that really kind of excites you i don't know if i would necessarily go okay i'm gonna bring this brand new iphone i have and go do a shoot you know like okay if it was purpose driven like i was gonna do a blog post or something whatever and compare it with something then maybe but you know if i'm out with my wife or my kids or whatever and i just happen to be somewhere that's really beautiful I'm going to take a shot. I'm going to frame it nicely. I'm going to make sure, you know, everything looks great and stuff and try to do the best with what I have. You know, it's like I said, it's purpose driven. Otherwise, I would have brought a camera with me. Yeah. An actual camera. That's actually how I feel, too. I don't know. I, I maybe, Brian, you like overthink things, right? Like I do. Oh, I should have brought I, I should have brought my actual camera. <laughs> yeah, I long time ago got over that because it'll just drive you nuts if i'm out and i see something great i'm gonna shoot it with my iphone because that's what i have with me i'm not gonna be like oh man if i only had brought my d850 i might make note of like okay this is a great location i want to go back here with the real camera you know quote unquote but you just just have fun i mean we live in great times you really can't you can't buy a bad camera you really can't buy a bad camera phone these days if you're buying something that's you know fairly well known and fairly modern and such it's we live in great times you can do a whole lot and if you want to add stuff onto it like the moment lenses and all that kind of things you can do that but at that point in my mind it's like why not just bring your camera you know so that's a whole different market though i think the people that are buying those accessories for their phones are not people that have a d850 or maybe an xt2 or now an xt3 whatever they're trying to make the most of their mobile photography experience. That's not necessarily you or I, because we bust out the real camera. Yeah. 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 You know, it's interesting that you say that because at first I was like, well, you know, 
I think that with I, I, initially, I was like, mobile phones are especially you know like phones that are have a strong kind of photo capabilities. I would see that those are more appealing to kind of like the social influencer crowd who you know their the name of their game is to get a really good photo and share it as quickly as possible. But then I was I reminded myself that every camera you can buy these days, every I don't even know if there's a camera that's come out recently that doesn't have Wi-Fi built in where you can just shoot over a full resolution JPEG or a raw file to your phone and edit that. And so I part of me is uh, conflicted because uh, I do I, I, I do love what I can do with my phone. And in in some cases, it's the, the phone can do things that a camera can't because of the software. Yeah. Uh, and that's not to say that that the camera can't period it's just a matter of the uh, the engineers at sony sony or canon or nikon they don't care to build it. but like with with apple for example in their camera up they've got those um the um like the studio and portrait lighting like these effects that change the quality of the light in the photo in some cases i think it's it can be very uh what's the, like gimmicky but in other cases, when it, you have the right conditions, it's one of those things where, man, I would love to be able to just invoke that on on camera. If I had my my Sony camera with me, just, uh, you know, shoot the raw, which saves on touch, but give me the option to shoot uh, JPEGs. So, you know, with that effect. This is what frustrates me about camera companies is they completely lost their point and shoot market because they didn't take care of their customers, right? They they just let okay, the smartphones and everything can, you know, have that we'll just concentrate on our DSLRs. That's a sinking ship, the, you know, the point and shoot market. And now it's to the point where people are just going, well, maybe I'll buy that better iPhone and then that'll be my camera. I won't buy a Rebel. I'm not shooting sports or whatever. I just want to capture my kids' moments. I'm not going to go grab my camera. I've got this better camera phone. Yeah. So these camera companies need to do something to kind of bridge that gap and have, you know, more extensibility, right? You know, extend what you can do with the cameras to make it more like the experience you get with your phone being able to do more. It's like when you buy a like, you know, my D700, my old D700, which Levi Sim still has. I have to get that in every episode. Um it's the same camera as it was when I bought it, you know, almost 10 years ago. They need to be able to do things to be able to compete with the smartphone market to at least kind of like blur the line a little bit, because right now they're losing a whole lot of people to mobile phones and they can do something to kind of stop that a little bit. Like put a phone in your Nikon. <laughs> that's a good point, <laughs> no. actually. No, that's a, and, and well, before David, I know you want to get to this, but there have been these uh, didn't Samsung years yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah they released essentially like a, f a camera but it, was, it had like yeah it was running on android it had a full android like back end just on the back of the screen yeah it was like the samsung one or something like that N or? nx1 it actually had so much potential and i'm really i think they were too early to market that's the problem especially samsung when you mix and this is going down the, the android <laughs> the rabbit hole when you yeah. mix samsung yeah with android samsung is so awful at keeping up with with Android, um, this was the same issue with Wacom I had, where Wacom released this. Um, oh, I can't. It, 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 it was the it predated the Mobile Studio Pro, which was their the Mobile Studio Pro is their kind of pen display computer. It's like a tablet computer that you can draw on. Before that, they had a version that had that ran Android, if you can believe it. Wow! But they only they never updated it once, not yeah. once. And so you know, I, I like what Sharky was saying. I think it's a really interesting point because you do have. 
you have these camera manufacturers, no, I'm sorry, you have these mobile phone manufacturers who are way more agile uh, on a year-to-year basis with releasing, uh, you know, it's not just, it, it, their iterations um, are are more frequent, which gives, uh, the, the assuming that they have an, an, a buying audience that's willing to shell out, in, in Apple's case, over $1,000 for a phone. But um, whereas with cameras, that's an interesting one, Sharky, because you don't really see camera manufacturers really pushing the envelope in terms of creative innovation. Um, we talked in episode 41, last week's episode, Sharky, about with Canon, how they, with, with the EOS R, how they were um, little things like that, that touch bar for settings um, and, you know, using the, having on the lenses, having with that, that control ring where you can control. F- so in those ca- cases, those are small baby steps of innovation. Um, but I do see, yeah, with, with, especially in the Android side, Apple is very, has become very predictable there for them. It's, we have deeper pixels. I don't even know what that means anymore. <laughs> yeah. I love, I love how the, the guy that runs the art of photography YouTube channel has a, he sells shirts that say deeper pixels on it. So, yeah. Ted Forbes. Yeah, yeah. Ted Forbes. Yeah. Yeah. What a, what a ridiculous marketing thing, but yeah. Why don't the, the camera companies develop some firmware that they can come out with. Imagine if Nikon all of a sudden said, okay, we got this firmware update and now it lets you do a whole lot of stuff. You can take a picture and easily, because because SnapBridge, it's come a long way, but it's still horrible. I think most people just aren't using it because you have to go through so many menu settings and they just haven't made it very streamlined for people. If you can make it easy. And then and that goes also with these days, all cameras, all cameras should have touch screens. We should be able to do on the back. Yeah. I find myself with, you know, my like older cameras and stuff messing around with the back of the screen and it's like oh i can't pinch and zoom and whatever and you know that's how we we've been trained by these manufacturers of of the smartphones on how to you know interact with devices this is how we interact with everything these days right if it has a screen on it we expect to pinch zoom touch whatever and then you've got our cameras which some will let you pinch and zoom but some you can't do the menu settings and that's just stupid it needs to get to the point where they're all touch enabled and you can drill through really quickly and you can you know maybe press a button and it brings up a different menu system and you can easily send it to your phone and you can edit it and all that and they're just not doing that they just completely let that go and the smartphone manufacturers are just running with it yeah yeah it's it's interesting you know on on almost both of those points um I actually shoot with a Fuji X-T2 as well. And I think that Fuji is almost ahead of the game on both of those points because all, all cameras have, you know, profiles that you can use, you know, whether it's natural or whether it's what, but Fuji, you know, actually has basically what is filters, you know, almost Instagram filters because they're, they're also profiles, obviously, but they're like film stock. And those are the kind of filters slash profiles that you would use when you're applying something to Instagram. To both, ex- I couldn't agree more with both of you. And, and here's the thing. If mirrorless was not in our vocabulary and we were still just all shooting DSLR, I would be kind of, I think we wouldn't have as much of a leg to stand on. However, because we are moving so aggressively towards mirrorless, speaking specifically in the camera front, we're not even talking about smartphones anymore. Where mirrorless, one of the major benefits of mirrorless, and we're not, it has nothing to do with the, the, your camera being small or lighter. Let's toss that out there. But one of the major benefits is you, you now have actual instant feedback because not only is are you using a rear LCD, but you're also using an, uh, an electric uh, electrical viewfinder. Yeah, you know, an actual yeah. where you can take 
And Fujifilm is the perfect example because with their X-T3, that was one of their major mm-hmm. selling points was they, they took profiles from, what was it, the, the GFX or the yeah, X-H1? The, the, both. Uh, Eterna from the X-H1 and the Color Chrome from the GFX 50S. Yeah. Yeah. These are profiles that people really love. And like you said, Fujifilm actually manufactures film stock. So they are very, very, they are authorities in that kind of um, aesthetic. So that's where I agree with Sharky 100%. Um, it would be great to see these camera manufacturers take on, I, listen, it would never happen, but I would love <laughs> to see, let's say, Sony partner with Visco. I love Visco. I really enjoy Visco, um, mm-hmm. Visual Supply Company. They make Lightroom presets. They have a, a really great app um, on iOS and Android where um, they kind of pioneered this, the the kind of vintagey, at least recently, you know, in the past yeah. several years, that kind of vintagey, um, you know, where you kind of gray out your shadows, that look. How cool would it be if you have, you know, because listen, there will always be that uh, the, the that cluster of photographers who ignore the JPEGs or they don't even shoot JPEG, they just shoot raw. I shoot raw plus JPEG um, for a specific reason. Same. But there, yeah, there are still, there are tons of photographers who um, they just want to get, you know, a decent photo from their camera to the phone onto social media. How cool would it be if you can just do that through your, your, your uh, electric viewfinder or the rear LCD with that preset, you know, already active and see what it looks like real time to me, that's super cool. And that's where I think mobile phones will always have a huge leg up because, uh, you know, Apple and Android had opened up the camera API to software developers to create apps that yeah. can you can you can make it look like a comic book you know or like you know cell shading and have that real time response in your phone why can't you have that yeah. with your camera yeah yeah it doesn't make sense i mean even like the fuji xc3 you know is using a quad core processor like all these new mirrorless cameras their processors are getting good like they're getting really good there's no if you can see a live view of whatever profile you're using at the time there's no reason they couldn't just you know use a visco profile and they can get software exactly they can get software updates like I don't know. Can, can Sony's get software updates over the air? Like, can you can you like connect it to your Wi-Fi network and update it? Because you can't do that with the with, no. the, with the XT2 or XT3. But like, that's also something they could do. Just saying. Um, yeah. And here's the thing: you're spending two, three, four thousand dollars for a camera. You know, a traditional camera. Come on, put that mm-hmm. in there for us. Yep. Why? Why yep. is it so difficult to get a photo from my camera? To my phone so I can go ahead and share it. It makes you go, you know what? I'm just going to go grab that smartphone. And anything that gets you, you know, diverted over to your smartphone, you go, oh, you know, maybe I'll just bring my smartphone with me. Or, you know, I mean, I'm I'm talking about like people that maybe shoot like we do, but your average enthusiast photographer is going to more and more be using their smartphone unless these companies start putting cool things into these cameras. But then you're putting them into the lower enthusiast cameras. They should be in the fancier cameras as well. They yeah. need to get on this. Come on. It's 20. It's almost 2019 for Pete's sake. It is. It is interesting. Yeah. I, I feel like camera manufacturers even like put for some reason, they're like, oh, if you're going to like apply filters or like apply anything in camera, they only put those f- the fun features in like their point and shoots. And it's like, right. Why? <laughs> you know, like I, I carry my XT2 with me everywhere and I use the Wi-Fi transfer built in to transfer to my phone, edit in Lightroom. And then, like, you know, upload it to my Instagram stories or something. 
Um, I think more people are doing that, especially with how much Instagram has exploded. I think Instagram in itself has making the photography industry with even with actual cameras com- completely explode. You know, it's it's so much more popular now. Camera companies are selling way more cameras than they used to. What you were saying reminds me of back in the day, you had video for years and years in point and shoots. You had tilting screens <laughs> in point and shoots. And then they finally came to the fancier cameras. Yeah, it was like real pros don't want flippy screens. It's like, what? What are you talking about? You know, like, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I used to be a photojournalist, right? <laughs> hey, everyone gives me crap about that. But, you know, when I would when I'd shoot the state football championship at the end, you've got that, you know, scrum of all the players and everything and you shoot above your head. Right. And you just kind of just know after a while how to angle it. But now you would flip out the screen and you would see exactly. Of course, you want these things. So if you want flippy screens and video in your DSLRs, how about also better usability? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, at some point, something's going to have to give. Uh, and you, you are seeing it like there are, um, again, I mentioned how there's this cottage industry uh, of accessories for mobile phones, specifically in the photography realm, that is opening things up. W- what would otherwise be prohibitively expensive, like, for instance, 360. Sharky, you, you've used the Insta, was it Insta One 360? The Insta 360, Insta 360 is the company. Insta 361 and the Insta uh, 360 Nano. The Nano is the one that I always have with me mm. in my cargo pants pockets because it's more flat. But when I want to do something that's, you know, 4K and I want to do something that's a little bit more fancy, I bring the Insta 361 yeah. with me. You have that. You've got um, DXO release their little um, camera that attaches to the lightning port of the iPhone that gives you a little bit larger lens or faster lens and it uses its sensor. But all of this is to, all of this to say is that there really is an industry in a market. And I'm not saying that, or at least anytime soon, that the mobile mobile phones will supplant mirrorless, you know, and I'm not even talking obviously with the lens variety and the larger sensors and all that stuff. However, I do think that there is an opportunity for camera manufacturers mm-hmm. to take a page out of mobile phones uh, and and how people are using mobile phones with photography to to speak to that audience, uh, even to like to to vloggers and you know video oh, yeah. people. It it just seems like they they are so slow to to address it. Android is open source. Like you can, you can build your platform. You can build your UI on top of Android and get all the benefits that is in Android. And just, of course, like the processors and mirrorless cameras right now are so good anyway. Of course, you're going to be able to run Android on there. Like you're fine. It's uh, yeah. wild to me. They haven't actually done that yet, but yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. And I, I, I am hoping it'd be great if someone from Sony or Canon, you know, listened because it would be cool. It, I really do think that there is a unique opportunity. You've seen all of the innovation come from photography to mobile, but you have you've seen very little from mobile go to photography to mm-hmm. cameras. Why is that? I don't know. I really don't know. I will say this. Um, you know, especially Nikon and Canon and Sony. These are legacy Japanese companies and uh, and in my time when I worked at Google, you know, we, I worked with Nikon briefly uh, on a project. These companies, and I worked at Sony, they are very, very slow in making uh, what I would consider to be radical fundamental shifts. Same thing with Wacom. Wacom is a Japanese company. Mm-hmm. 
it is a it's very slow to turn that ship. Uh, whereas when you look at some of the smaller startups, especially U.S. based startups that are much more agile, that are much more um, open to taking risks, like um, like that light camera. I don't know if anything yeah. ever happened with it. The L sixteen. They're building a phone. Yeah, they're building a phone. Yeah, yeah, I saw that actually. Um, so, so light, you know. Th- then again, for a long time, I thought it was vaporware. This was the this device that had sixteen lenses on it that was supposed to shoot a, a yeah. variety of focal lengths and merge them together into a super photo. And thus far, it's been crap. Yeah, it's been pretty bad so far. It's because the UI is so bad so far. But but that's what I'm talking about. Like it's supposed to be the the value proposition is that it's supposed to use all of these different lenses and sensors to create a 50 plus megapixel photo that is as sharp or supposed to be as sharp as a larger camera. And that's what what where I see uh, that's the exciting uh, side of. Uh, the technology in our industry that we love so much. And it's unfortunate that, you know, we're just coming off of this new camera season, you know, announcement season where everyone's the, the hottest thing is that Canon and Nikon announced these <laughs> subpar mirrorless cameras. Like yeah. imagine if that was the case with Apple or Google, like it just, it would, it just wouldn't, they wouldn't, I don't think they would be able to to survive very long. They yeah. really are forced to innovate every single year yeah they're so stuck in this yearly cycle but it's like they can't change the hardware that much so like they've really gotten down to like how can we make the software make this better and i think that that's where camera manufacturers need to start looking into because the future is ai like the future is absolutely ai and the amount of the 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 reason that google is able to get such good quality images with the same sensor that everybody else is using is because they have the best algorithms. And I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, all traditional photo people will be like, no, 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 I don't want some software like deciding what my image is going to look like. And it's like, that doesn't mean it's not editable. It's not like you can't take this. It just gives you more flexibility. It's like that light L16 camera. Another feature you can do with it is because it shoots at so many focal lengths, you can change where you want the focus to be after the fact, right? And that's actually a feature that, you know, uh, Apple just announced. That was was, Lytro. Yeah, Lytro. And then HTC actually had um, a phone like years ago in like 2010 or something, 2012, that had that same feature. Um, Well, that's all about getting a depth map, you know, by having different focal lengths. Yeah, taking multiple exposures and yeah. Yeah, but you know, and Sharky and I talked about this in episode thirty-eight. This is when we talked, brought up the the Huawei phone where they had a photo contest that was partially judged by AI. Um, was I, I I mentioned then, and I'll say it again, and I agree with you, David, one hundred percent. I said that um, AI is uh, the future for if you want to talk to, about photo editing companies like uh, well, Adobe totally sees it; they get it. But on one, Skylum, Skylum gets it. They're starting to see, um, you know, like they just updated um, Aurora HDR. And one of the value props there was that it now uses AI as part of their tone mapping. For me, in Lightroom, the first thing I do now, I don't care which one it is, every photo, first thing I do is hit the auto button uh, in the basic panel of the develop module. It is so freakishly good. Mm. Um, and it uses Sensei to, um, to it doesn't just ran you know do a predefined set of uh you know slider parameters it looks it analyzes the photo and it gets it to the point where it brings out the right amount of color it gets my tones where i want them to be so that i now have a good starting point to really finesse the photo um and i think that's the thing is like all these people are afraid that like oh no if ai is editing my photo then how am i gonna have like 
you know, my new unique touch or whatever. And it's like, well, you can still edit it to your own style after the fact. It's just getting those basic things that are taking you a ton of time. It just removes that time. Well, I will say I will never, ever forget this. When I worked at, again, when I worked at Google on the Google Plus team, specifically Google Plus Photos, we, one of the biggest launches while I was there was a feature called Auto Enhance. <laughs> yeah. And amazing. So good. <laughs> but the problem was we that was set as an auto opt out, meaning <laughs> it was on for everyone and you upload your photo and it ran through the algorithm and you had to you had to opt out at the, your user settings uh, level, which admittedly was a very was not a smart move, especially when you <laughs> the consider the fact that exactly yeah. Google Plus was all about pro photographers. With that said, um, the problem there is you're you're applying some sort of secret sauce to a photo that was in the process of being shared publicly. It's one thing if you, before anyone ever sees it, you've got, you know, the, the, the curtains are still drawn and you're, you're in your office or you're on your laptop, you're editing your photo and you know, whatever you do to it, that's one thing. But when you apply secret sauce to a photo after you hit publish or share, that's a, di- a different thing. But I will never forget the ire. I mean, that was a very long day after we announced auto enhance. That was a very long day because yes, for the most part, I think uh, there's a certain breed of photographer that is still very averse um, to having any sort of uh, AI or, you know, it's, and again, auto enhance was not some just, you know, preset. Mm-hmm. It, it used computer vision. It used actual learning. It looked at the photo and it made adjustments that it thought would be helpful. Of course, you can, roll them back but don't you think it has to do with insecurity of photographers it's like well then i'm giving someone an opportunity to say you're not a real photographer or <laughs> you just pressed a button in there right i think that's what it comes down to oh totally. no one's gonna admit that but i think no. that's what it is i mean when uh, this like when fuji announced the xt3 and all the tech media were suddenly talking about it and no one ever talks about fuji in tech media it's all sony and it's it's all sony and canon but almost all sony and so all of a sudden, everyone was starting to look at Fuji. I got a little insecure because I'm like the odd man out who uses Fuji. And I feel like that's like my thing. And then now all, everyone else is like, oh, Fuji, Fuji. So it's, a, it's the same thing. I think people naturally feel like, you know, they want to be in a certain zone. And as soon as it gets popular, they don't like it anymore because it's like, you know, everyone's going to use it and they don't have as much control and all this. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've, and because I, I would love to de- dive even deeper into that, the whole AI and insecurity of photographers, which could be, make for another ep- a great episode topic. But I think Sharky, David, I think we've we've really kind of hit this one. Yeah. I I was really happy. I think we hit this one out of the park. Yeah, it was good. If we say so ourselves, now, this, this is a great show. We didn't get to that part yet, Brian. I was teeing you up, Sharky. <laughs> I was teeing you up. So, David, I've got I've got one last question for you. Yes. Lest anyone wonder what that is. But uh, <laughs> I'd love to know what's on your gear shelf. Yeah. So um, I am kind of a super lightweight traveling photographer, videographer. So I don't have a ton of gear. But uh, what I'm really excited about is the Fuji X-T3, but for video. And um, I'm hyped about this camera because it is actually the first mirrorless uh, camera that can do 4K 10-bit 420 internally, I think, mm-hmm. uh, because the the GH5 needs an external monitor, and so it's kind it's kind of actually insane because 
Fujifilm within technically like two and a half iterations, I'd say, because in the X-T2, they actually added 120 FPS at 1080p, like slow motion and a bunch of other features, which is crazy. Like they're just so crazy with how they adapt and how I'd say out of the the old camera manufacturers, they listen to their customers like the most. Um, but anyway, the, the X-T3 has 4K60, which previously was only in the Panasonic GH5. Uh, it has 10-bit 420 internally and 422 with the monitor. Um, it's got just all these video features. It's got the full sensor readout for uh, for 4K30, and it does only a one point like one seven crop for 4K60. And then the other thing was the autofocus is like ridiculously improved. It has way more autofocus points and uses the full width of the sensor, not just the center. And I'm just so happy about that. And it's, it's interesting because most people that are buying Fuji cameras do not buy them for video. Um, but classic Chrome for me is like my favorite video filter. And so I use that for all my stuff because it just kind of is a little more contrasty, a little more Tony than the, um, the other stuff. And I'm just super stoked. I know him. <laughs> what? I know Tony. <laughs> Go ahead. Maybe uh, you're here over there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just super, super stoked for those features because previously I couldn't really deliver a true 4K video because um, if, if I wanted to use slow motion, I had to use 1080p. Now I can use 4K. And also I film myself a lot because in between doing B-roll, I, I show myself talking and the autofocus was not very good on the X-T2. It hunts around a lot. Uh, a few of my videos hunt. And because I use my phone as an external monitor, for some reason, when you're using the phone as an external monitor, you can't use manual focus even if the camera is in manual focus mode when you use the app on your phone it makes it continuous autofocus which is super annoying mm. but at least i've seen that this also is i autofocus the xt3 which was not in the xt2 which is also super awesome uh but yeah i i really think it's a it's way more of a video upgrade which is really weird because it the only photo upgrades you've got are like the i autofocus and the 26 versus 24 megapixels like I don't see people who just do photography well in the touchscreen, but I don't see people who just do photography really caring about this update. But for me, it's enormous. So long, tang cool. long tangent, but I've got that on pre-order. So should be coming in in a few yeah. days here. Nicole does too. So yeah. Awesome. Sharky. Yes, Brian. What's on your gear shelf, man? What's on my gear shelf is dust off duster. It's canned air basically i don't know why you guys are running out of stuff We're, to use yeah no well brian asked me earlier he's like he's like i was like i just need to find out what's on my gear shelf i said well these days a lot of dust because i haven't shot as much lately and then i was like oh wait I, there is there's my pick not actual yeah. dust but um you know if your camera's been sitting around or if you're out shooting in conditions that are going to get your camera all dusty and dirty and such before you take that lens off go ahead and you know blow some of this you know canned air stuff on there right and get as much dust off as possible and then i'm going to go super old school and a bonus pick is a rag oh my god <laughs> a nice a nice damp a nice damp cloth from your drawer in the kitchen or something like that. Go ahead and and wipe everything down. Keep your gear nice. Like I've seen people with some just disgustingly dirty cameras and they change their lenses and then they're like, why do I have sensor dust? Well, look at how it looks like a public restroom. Like you're going to get some kind of disease on your cameras. It's just <laughs> disgusting. Keep it, you know, and pr preserve its like resale value and stuff. Just like clean that thing up. And so some canned air is uh i don't know why that was such a funny pick that's an actual that's a pro tip right there 
Come on. <laughs> All right. A rag. Good. All right. So, Brian, what's on your gear shelf? So what's on my gear shelf? Sharky, thank you for asking. Um, I initially wasn't going to ever use it because my initial impression wasn't very positive. However, I decided to give it a little bit more love and I'm starting to like it. It's um, it's the Loop Deck Plus. Sharky, I know, I think you've talked about this in the past, but uh, the way I describe the Loop Deck, it's as if, Light, if Lightroom and a keyboard had a baby, a love child, <laughs> an illegitimate love child. Um, that would be the loop deck. So it's the form factor of a keyboard, but it effectively what it does is it takes every primary control or slider from Lightroom classic, that is not CC, um, like, you know, all of the exposure controls and the hue saturation luminance for each of the, the colors, uh, as well as, you know, the rating uh, functions, and it, it puts it into keyboard form. So the closest competitor here would probably be, be uh, Palette Gear, which has also been a previous pick uh, in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the difference is, uh, where with palette, it, it, I would say it's far more extensible. You can use it with final cut and Adobe premiere and any, and any, pretty much anywhere with, with loop deck, you're really kind of tied to software manufacturers who build support for it. So like right now it's, it's pretty much Adobe Lightroom classic and it's Skylum Luminar and, or uh, not Luminar, Skylum Aurora HDR. So the reason why I like it is because, or why I've started to like it more is I've actually realized that once you get used to the layout, and that's what initially turned me off is I, d- I just didn't want to bother learning the layout, you know, where the different sliders are. Once you do get familiar with like, like this is the contrast, you know, knob and this is the the exposure knob. It actually is really nice to um, adjust. You can you can adjust different sliders and knobs at the same time and really kind of refine the edit. Whereas normally you're either using uh, you know your Wacom or your your mouse or or a trackpad and you're doing one slider at a time or one function at a time. Uh, you know because you have to move from exposure to contrast. And so here it's actually letting you dial things in very literally. So that's my pick, the uh, Loop Deck Plus. This is a revision that they announced a couple months ago. It's supposed to kind of, I guess, I never used the original one, but it's supposed to have uh, the some of the hardware supposed to be a little bit more robust. Awesome. Great pick. You know, Thanks. Brian, I think this was a great show, like I said, if we do say so ourselves, and we do. We so do. why don't you tell people how to find us and how to find the show? And let's start with David. Exactly. I was about to say, what a what a rude host, <laughs> <All right>. David. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm. I have my own website, davidml.com. That's I M E L, uh, where you can find me there. But my social media handles um, on Twitter is dervidml, D U R V I D I M E L, and that is the only social media account you'll find me that is not my actual name. So every other social media account is just David Emil. Um, if you want to see my videos, you can go to androidauthority.com or my photography is on androidauthority.com as well. Uh, YouTube.com slash androidauthority. Or I technically have my own YouTube channel. It just doesn't have any, uh, <laughs> just doesn't have any subscribers. <laughs> I mean, any videos. So yeah, there you go. Cool. Well, I mean, we, we will link to all of that on our show notes, which is how you can find us at nonamephotoshow.com. Uh, and then we are at No Name Photo Show on all the socials. Uh, and then me, I am uh, at Matias.com, M-A-T-I-A-S-H.com, and I am at Brian Matias everywhere else, so B-R-I-A-N-M-A-T-I-A-S-H. And then we'll hear Sharky talk about how he's, you know, Lens Shark, not Lens <laughs> Shark. I don't know that guy. 
lens hark. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I'm not responsible for what that guy Len does. <laughs> Thanks for blowing the lead there. All right. You're welcome. So <laughs> I host the Petapixel Photography Podcast. And again, we're just days away from some big news, which Brian doesn't know. And it drives him crazy. So I'm going to mention it. Kind of drives me crazy. And too. Uh, I hear the episodes and I'm like, why won't Sharky just tell us in like Facebook Messenger or something? Because I can't. Because I signed an NDA. I break all my so, NDAs. Um, I. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Great. Are you listening? Huawei. So. Uh, you can find me that the, you can find the Petapixel Photography Podcast at petapixel.com slash podcast, uh, Petapixel in your favorite podcatcher, whatever you'll find me. And again, as Brian said, I'm Lens Shark on all the socials. <laughs> I'm not Len Shark. I'm not responsible for what that guy says. And uh, what do you guys say? We clap it out, huh? Yeah, let's do it. All right. One, two. Oh, we'll fix it in post. I don't know if we need to know. It's pretty clean. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, brothers. Love you, too. Love you guys, too. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the No Name Photo Show. Sharky and I would be thrilled if you would subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using and tell a friend. How about we do this again next episode? Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.